Professor Dumbledore has granted me permission to start this little dueling club. And with that, welcome to the Dueling Club, learning one spell at a time. Hello, and welcome to the Dueling Club. I'm Al. And I'm Jen. We're back. We're back. And guess what? We haven't said we're tired this time around. We didn't say it last episode, but we are. One of my eyes is barely open right now. I know. I saw. I saw. I saw. As long as you're aware. Yes, I am very much aware. Okay. Um, so what's going on with you? Nothing has changed. Everything is the same? Yes. How's your girlfriend? Good. Yeah? Good. Tell her I said hi. Or, hi Maddie. I mean, if she listens to the episodes, I've said hi to her. She does sometimes, and then she's just like, I have you here, why would I listen to it? I'm like, you know what that's there. We talk a lot, so... My boyfriend listens. Okay. I'm just saying. Okay. Maddie, listen. I'm just kidding. I'm not trying to pressure you. Continue. Just listen. Don't look at me weird. Continue. Anyway... Our nephew starts school soon. A lot of people are starting school in the coming week. Well, supposedly in two and a half weeks. I have to actually go to the office. Good luck with that. How many days a week? Two. Are you still Tuesdays and Thursdays or are you Mondays and Wednesdays? Uh, We haven't figured out the schedule yet. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. My company is saying that anywhere where there's an office, the people who live in those cities should be going back to the office in September as well. Mm -hmm. But obviously people who work remotely, like I do, who are nowhere near an office, business as usual. True. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things. Can we just talk about the fact that there are so many companies out there that are trying to force this back in the office or return to office thing when for the most part they're showing that there has been no change in productivity so the thing is is that companies i don't think understand that their workforce has gotten very used to being in their pajamas getting up walking wearing fuzzy slippers yeah walking into an office Mm -hmm. or like near a computer desk You know, locking in, walking away, going to their own kitchen, making themselves coffee, making themselves breakfast, sitting down, working while while eating, getting to put on Netflix on their TV, getting to put on music, getting to put a headset on and listening to a podcast or something. Like, it's home comfort, and it's not like they're going to pay you more to go back to the office. No, and now you have to worry about... Um, maintenance on your car, gas for your car, if you're far away from stuff, money for tolls. Like, it ends up adding up. And you're getting paid the same. The thing is that I don't think companies understand that they really do run the risk of losing a lot of employees. Well, I know someone who, in their job, their their company is going back to the office, Mm -hmm. literally... In their five-person department, the only people who are going to be left are two people. Yeah. Because one of them moved to a different state, 
One of them is like having a baby um, and doesn't want to be around that. And the other person is still backfilling their old role. It's a big yikes. So it's like you do realize that the only people left are going to be the ones who are like, oh, I'm not putting up with this crap. And they're going to end up leaving too. Yeah. There's there's a lot. There's still quite a bit of unemployment, but people would rather be unemployed than to deal with caca rules and caca expectations. Yeah. And that was me trying not to say it a curse. Yes. So I think it's an interesting thing to see what's going to happen with the next couple of months. Yeah. I have a friend um, that I went to college with the first time who is returning to work in a couple of weeks as well and is like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense from a a logistics standpoint. You have people. You need to make sure that your people don't get sick. And she was told, your employment is at will. Do what you want. And it's like... Screw you, buddy. Ew, don't do that. You know? <sighs> Silly. Anyway, let's just jump right back into Haley Potter. Yeah? Yeah. My battery is running out. You're, I, I can see it. Yep. So, we are in Season 5, Episode 6. Chapter 6. Chapter 6 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. And the name of this chapter is The Noble and Most Ancient House of Black. But before we get there, put a little recap in here. Harry gets to ask what he wants to um, uh, from Sirius and everybody else about the current situation, about Voldemort, about the Order of the Phoenix. But they only tell him so much because he's underage and Molly is protective. And Dumbledore said... Don't tell him more than he needs to know. Yeah, so basically it's just that Voldemort is playing it. He's playing the long game. Yeah. Yeah. And he's looking for a weapon he didn't have last time. Yes. Okay. So Molly makes Harry, Ron, Hermione, and the twins go to bed once she thinks they've heard enough. And Lupin agreed. He was like, we're done. Just go to bed. Um... After all, there must be a reason Dumbledore didn't want Harry involved, per Molly. But Harry doesn't necessarily agree with that idea. So after Molly drops them off, and them, I mean Harry and Ron, um, in the room that they're going to be staying at, and Ron locks the door to avoid Creature, the house elf, sneaking in in the middle of the night, Ron and Harry start discussing everything they just heard. Within seconds, the twins operate into the room. Mm-hmm. Harry hears the crack, and they happen to land on Ron's knees. <laughs> yes. Poor Ron. And they're like, well, move your legs next time. And he's like, how am I supposed to know you're coming? And to which I say, Ron, don't you know your brothers? True. <laughs> he should have known better. He should have curled up his legs in anticipation of them being weird. Um... And that's when they start to discuss what, who might have the weapon, what it might be, where it is, and do you want to read that? Um, yeah. So, got there yet? Said George Yearling, the weapon Sirius mentioned, said Harry. 
Let's slip more like, said Fred with relish, now sitting next to Ron. We didn't hear about that on the old Extendables, did we? What do you reckon it is, said Harry. Could be anything, said Fred. But there can't be anything worse than Avada Kedavra, than the Avada Kedavra curse, can there? Said Ron. What's worse than death? Maybe it's something that can kill loads of people at once, suggested George. Maybe it's some particularly painful way of killing people, said Ron fearfully. He's got the Cruciatus curse for causing pain, said Harry. He doesn't need anything more efficient than that. Which is true. Yeah. I mean, Cruciatus curse, we saw it in the last book. It's painful. That poor spider. Yep. There was a pause in Harry knew that the others, like him, were wondering what horrors this weapon could perpetrate. Um, so who do you think's got it now? Asked George. Um, I think it's our side, said Ron, sounding slightly nervous. If it is, Dumbledore's probably keeping it, uh, said Fred. Where, said Ron quickly, Hogwarts? Bet it is, said George. That's where he hid the Sorcerer's Stone. The weapon's going to be a lot bigger than the stone, though, said Ron. Not necessarily, said Fred. Yeah, size is no guarantee of power, said George. Look at Ginny. What do you mean, said Harry? You've never been on the receiving end of one of her bat bogey hexes, have you? <laughs> Again, Book Ginny is awesome. We said it last episode. She is a force to be reckoned with. And even her troublemaking older brothers who have a penchant. Yeah. Who yeah. have a penchant for doing some, some kind of gnarly stuff. They're like, don't mess with her. Don't mess with her. She'll get you. Um, but their conversation is cut short by Mrs. Weasley walking around, checking on the kids, essentially, that they're not up and talking about what they just learned. Because she doesn't want that going on. And again, we had a whole conversation about it in the last episode. I get it. Her experience has been that this, that the war the last one and this coming one because you know there's going to be one unless Voldemort is stopped um, leads to bad stuff and leads to people losing people losing loved ones I mean technically Percy disowned his family Voldemort coming back to power has already lost her one son right Al? yeah it not not literally not literally but kind of literally yeah because he doesn't he won't even visit his parents anymore and they don't really want to see him i mean they he's tried. in london percy's in mm -hmm. london they're in london they've tried to see tried, him yeah and door closed in her face and mr weasley sees him at work all the time and nothing nothing yeah and again Harry's 15 years old. He's not technically of age yet, but he's still a kid. But he's not your average kid because he's already fought Voldemort more than once and lived to talk about it. Yeah. He's already fought Dementors off at 15 years old. More than once. He was able to perform to uh, um, perform a full corporeal Patronus. Uh -huh. At Anywho. 15 years old. Well, technically, he did it at, what, 13? Yes. 
13 years old. Just saying. Um, and Hermione and Ron, uh, wrong, really? Yeah. Hermione and Ron have been around for the ride. They may not have done everything that Harry did, but like when he was trying to get the, the Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerer's Stone, they were there. Ron is the reason why they got through the giant wizarding chess match. Mm-hmm. Hermione's the reason why they got through the poison room. The poison room. Um, Ron is the one who Ron and, and Harry together got away from the Acromantulus. Yeah, with the help of a car. With the help of a car, but that was the Weasley car. True. Uh, Ron. Harry so and basi- so yeah, basically, like it's, they've been there. They've been through like things that tested them and they've prevailed. Yes. So they're not your average teenagers. So although she was trying to make sure that they're okay, like she's a little bit too protective right now. Yeah. And technically, actually, the twins are of age. So they can decide what they want to do for whatever reasons they want to do it. But she doesn't want them involved. Again, I mentioned it before. As a mom, I would think it would be terrible to imagine your kids being in harm's way. And that's what she's trying to avoid. Yeah. So by the time Mrs. Weasley is gone, like... The, the twins disapparate, they're gone, they go back to their room. Ron and Harry are laying there quiet, and by the time Mrs. Weasley's gone, uh, Harry has drifted off to sleep and dreaming of Hagrid being there and showing him the new creatures for the Care of Magical Creatures class that happen to be secret weapons that have cannons for heads. Yes. I wouldn't put it past Hagrid. Oh, you'd love him. He came up with blast-ended screws after all. So, I, I he would love them. And he'd be like, they're just misunderstood. They're not trying to harm you. Hagrid, they're literally secret weapons. <laughs> no, no, no. They're nice and fluffy. It's fine. Speaking of fluffy. Anyway, just kidding. Um, in the morning, Molly has the kids um, basically... What they keep saying is cleaning, and Harry later on refers to as doing battle with the house. Um, The first thing they do is they go into the parlor, and they're going to tackle the doxy infestation that keeps the curtains buzzing. And she's like, put on on this this, uh, handkerchief as a mask. Make sure you have the the de-doxifying... Uh, spray that paralyzes them and then throw them in the bucket. Don't let them bite you because their bites are poisonous and I have the the antidote but I don't want to use it if I don't have to. There you go. Yeah, so they start or they're about to start um, but the doorbell rings and Harry tries to close the door at Molly's request as slowly as humanly possible to try to catch on what's happening. And it's Kingsley, Shacklebolt, 
with an update. He's like, oh, so-and-so relieved me, and I have an update on what's happening at the ministry. And that's when Mrs. Weasley looks over at him, and he's like, darn it, I have to close the door. Yeah. And so it begins. Everyone's spraying the docks aside to paralyze and get rid of the doxies. Uh, Harry catches Fred pocketing, pocketing one of the paralyzed doxies. And he's like, what are you doing? Uh, Fred explains that he and George can experiment with it, with its venom for the new joke products that they've been creating. They're calling them uh, skiving snack boxes. And Harry is happy to find out that the Triwizard Tournament winnings he had given them was going to good use. They haven't gotten a storefront quite yet, so they're running this as a mail order business. And um, we find out some more information about it. Oh, let me close this. Something. You keep getting pop-ups on the computer. Do I? Yeah. Um, so we're, we're there, and it's, uh, what are skiving snack boxes? Range of sweets to make you ill, George whispered, keeping a wary eye on Mrs. Weasley's back. Not seriously ill, mind. Just ill enough to get uh, out of class when you feel like it. Fred and I have been developing them this summer. They're double-ended, color-coded chews. If you eat the orange half of the puking pastilles, you throw up. moment you've uh, been rushed out of lesson for the hospital wing, you swallow the purple half, which restores you to full fitness, enabling you to pursue the leisure activity of your own choice during an hour that would otherwise have been devoted to unprofitable boredom. That's what we're putting in the adverts anyway, whispered Fred, who had edged over out of Mrs. Weasley's line of vision and was now sweeping a few stray doxies from the floor and adding them to his pocket. But they still need a bit of work. At the moment, our testers are having a bit of trouble stopping puking long enough to swallow the purple end. <laughs> testers? Us, said Fred. We take it in turns. George did the faint, uh, the fainting fancies. We both tried the nosebleed uh, nougat. I think that's awesome. So we have the puking uh, pasties, pastille. Yes. Where was it? Pastilles. Yes, pastilles. The uh, fainting fancies and the nosebleed nougats. Yeah. That's kind of awesome. Um, and they just mentioned that they put an advertisement in in uh, Daily Profit. And obviously, they're not worried about Mrs. Weasley finding it because she stopped reading it. Which makes sense, because if all it's doing is talking crap about Dumbledore and Harry, why would she want to read it? It's not an accurate source of information anymore, nor has it really ever been. True. Yeah. Um, once they finish cleaning the curtains, Mrs. Weasley says she's going to go and get them some sandwiches for lunch. And it's then that the doorbell rings again. But this time, it's Mundungus with his ill-gotten cauldrons. Um, and they comment on, like, Ooh, he's gonna be in trouble. He shouldn't have brought them here. Mrs. Weasley already doesn't like it. Mrs. Weasley lets him have it. And they can hear her yelling from downstairs. Because um, the door's open, obviously. And she's like, how dare you? We are not hiding your illegal cauldrons. You should know better. This is supposed to be a secret place. What's wrong with you? Yeah. So, if it's supposed to be a secret place, Mrs. Weasley, why are you yelling at the top of your lungs? Just saying. Calm down. 
Listen, it's a secret until she gets mad. <laughs> and now everyone knows. Yes. Um. So, of course, it's left over annoyance for ha- Harry being left alone for Mundungus to go get those very cauldrons. And before Fred can close the parlor door, Creature, the house elf, has snuck into the room. And this is the first time we're actually meeting him. Um, and, uh, do you want me to read it or should I? I'll go for it. Okay. Except for the filthy rag tied like a loincloth around its middle, it was completely naked. It looked very old. Its skin seemed to be several times too big for it. And though it was bald like all house elves, there was a quantity of white hair growing out of its large bat-like ears. Its eyes were a bloodshot and watery gray, and its fleshy nose was large and rather snout-like. The elf took absolutely no notice of Harry and the rest. Acting as though it could not see them, it shuffled hunchback slowly and doggedly toward the far end of the room, muttering under its breath all the while in a hoarse, deep voice like a bullfrog's. Smells like a drain and a criminal to boot. But she's no better, nasty old blood traitor, with her brats messing up my mistress's house. Oh, my poor mistress, if she knew, if she knew the scum they've let in her house, what would she say to old creature? Oh, the shame of it, mudbloods and werewolves and traitors and thieves. Poor old creature, what can he do? Hello, creature, said Fred very loudly, closing the door with a snap. The house elf froze in his tracks stopped muttering and then gave a pronounced and very unconvincing start of surprise. Will you try to turn a lie to here, creature, please? I know, right? So Harry's like, that's not what I'm used to seeing in the house elf. He's muttering to himself about blood traitors and mudbloods and thieves and, and werewolves and traitors. And um, it seems like he's been alone too long and has lost his mind. And we get confirmation from Sirius that that's the case. He actually says he's been alone too long, uh, taking mad orders from my mother's portrait and talking to himself. But he was always a foul little... It doesn't have the expletive, but I'm sure it was meant. Yes. Yes. And that's when we find out that Mrs. Black died 10 years before now, leaving Creature alone, essentially, since everybody else had died off. Um, of course, he's a little out of it, and we find out where his foul ideas related to wizarding blood come from as Sirius looks over the tapestry that's in the parlor that Creature was trying to save from the cleaning and purging of the household items. So remember, um, we find out that this is Sirius's old house. The tapestry is the black family tree um, with the family motto of toujours pur, always pure in French. Um, so we can tell that there's a theme here. They were pure bloods. They believed in that pure blood craziness. Um, and that's how they trained their house elves. So it makes sense that creature despises the people who are in the house now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So we also find out some extra interesting information. So the ta- uh, the Sirius was burned off the tapestry when he ran away when he was 16. Yes. Um, he was essentially disowned. He ran away to James, James Potter's house and was essentially adopted by the Potters. And at 17, he moved into his own place with money he had inherited from his uncle Alfred, who was also burned off of the tapestry. So they have this, this uh, habit of literally removing family members. Yeah, but that didn't fit what they wanted. Yeah. It's really sad. I think so, too. You know who didn't get burned off of the tapestry? Who? Sirius's younger brother, Regulus. Um, and we find out that Regulus had become a Death Eater. And was killed, most likely, either by Voldemort or at Voldemort's order. Because it's kind of like the mob. Once you're in, you can never get out. True. Um, and Harry's kind of surprised when he finds out that Regulus had become a Death Eater. And Sirius is like, why are you surprised? You've seen this house. You know what kind of people my family are. They loved it. They may not have completely agreed with everything that Voldemort espoused, but they were all about the pure blood everything. The pure blood mania. Yes. Um, and we also find out that Sirius is related to Tonks, Arthur, and Molly. Separately. Yep. Um, Tonks is the daughter of Sirius's favorite cousin, Andromeda. Uh, Andromeda got with a muggle-born named Ted Tonks. They had um, Nymphadora Tonks, who hates to be called Nymphadora. Yes. Um, Arthur is his second cousin once removed. And Molly is a cousin by marriage. The Pruitts. Um, what else? And he's like, oh, but you won't find them on the tapestry because they're blood traitors. Which is basically purebloods who don't believe in the pureblood mania. And we also find out that he's related to some other people that Harry is shocked to to find out about. He's related to the Malfoys. How is he related to the Malfoys? So Andromeda's sister, Narcissa, married Lucius. Yeah, we've met Lucius. That's Draco's dad. Um, and his other cousin, Narcissa's other sister, Bellatrix is none other than Bellatrix Lestrange. And we saw her in the memory last book. Yep. She was uh, one of the people part who... of the four that tortured and drove insane the Longbottoms. Poor Neville's parents. Yep. So, I mean, one out of three children turned out to be a decent human being in that group. Um, the decent one was Andromeda. Yeah. Makes sense. So, a little bit of a spoiler, we get to meet Andromeda later, and she seems so unlike her sisters. It's insane. Except she looks like... Exactly like Bellatrix. And Narcissa. Well, 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 Harry says that he confuses her for Bellatrix, but he doesn't see 
like the cruelty in her eyes. Yeah. Which makes sense because they're sisters and siblings can look similar to one another. And the three sisters do. Yeah. We kind of have some resemblance to one another, so it makes sense. Yeah. You know? Uh, but I definitely would not want to remind people of someone who was a convicted torturer. Like, that would just not be good. Come on. Come on. Ah, dogs. Dogs. Come on. Um, and I think that was it. There's more to it. We find out that Phineas Nigellus, right? That's his name? Yes. What? Who was a headmaster... The, the least liked headmaster at Hogwarts is also related to Sirius. Yes. Um, but, you know, it makes sense. It, like, all of these, this craziness, all of these crazy creatures, and your dog is mad at you. Oh, well. Um, creatures. I mean, I meant people, wizards. They're all related to one another. And If they're pure blood. Yeah. They're all related in some way. Because Sirius actually says it. It's like, if you want your kids to marry purebloods, you're seriously limiting their dating pool. Well, like, isn't it, um, Draco is like, his cousin once removed or something, and distantly he's related to Arthur and Molly? Like, yeah, like, like I said. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, there's that's only how well, Wasn't it, it like 27 pureblood families? That still exists? Oh, no. Not that still exists, but the 27 major pureblood families. <clears throat> yeah. Like, they've, they've all intermarried. Yep. So, um, and it's about that time that Sirius is, like, mentioning how he would wish to accompany Harry to his ministry hearing, but clearly he can't, um, obviously because he's still a wanted man, number one. And because he can't go as Snuffles, the black dog, because Peter Pettigrew has undoubtedly already informed Voldemort that Sirius is an unregistered animagus, animagus. I say it every time. Um, every time? Every single time. Every single time? We don't know how to pronounce it. Because it's one of those words. That's, that's going to be our first shirt, by the way. We know that. Yes. A- animagus question? Animagus question mark? Yeah. Um, and a magus. I I don't know. We're just gonna. It's a word. Words are hard. Um, and it's then that Harry remembers about the hearing. He's literally forgotten about it since he got to, uh, twelve remote place. And now he has to think about it for a second, and he doesn't want to. So he's literally trying to do everything that can be done. So that he doesn't have to think about it. And this is when he mentions that it's more like... <laughs> it's like an exorcism for the house, essentially. Yeah. And here are some things that they have to get rid of. So in the parlor, in the glass cabinet that they clean next, they find a snuff box that belonged to Sirius's father that contained wart cap powder that... Ended up covering Sirius's hand in an unpleasant brown crusty covering. And one of the twins grabs a napkin and grabs it and puts it in their pocket so they can do some more testing. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. 
um, something that looked like a many-legged tweezer that tried to stab Harry. You love things that try to stab people. Yeah. A music box that, when opened, played eerie music that made everyone feel weak and sleepy. Yep. And thank goodness Ginny had the presence of mind to close it. Mm-hmm. Um, a heavy locket, a heavy silver locket that no one could open. Yep. So they just chucked it in the bin. And an Order of Merlin, first class, awarded to Sirius's grandfather. And he said most likely for donating a lot of money to the ministry. Yes. Um, and Creature keeps coming Sneaking in. in and, to try and, and take things. Yeah. And Sirius is about over it. Like, he's constantly yelling at them, at Creature. And Hermione's like, stop it. Why don't you just... Why don't you just free him? And she's like, and he's like, I can't, Hermione. He knows too much. We can't do that. And she's like, well, can't you treat him better? And he's like, no, not doing that. At one point, he literally grabs him and throws him out of the room. <laughs> while Creature is sobbing. Mm-hmm. Over things. But over the black family things. Over the black family treasures. Yeah. And the funny thing is that Creature doesn't listen to a direct order from Tonks because Tonks never made it onto the tapestry. So he doesn't recognize her as part of the black family. Yep. Um, what else? Oh, so they end up going to the dining room on the ground floor to clean that up and they find spiders larger than saucers. Much to Ron's horror. Yep. And he ends up disappearing for about 30 minutes after that. Yep. Tom's um, helped them uh, with a murderous school they found in the upstairs bathroom. Uh, Lupin helped repair a grandfather clock that developed the unpleasant habit of shooting heavy bolts at passer- passers-by. Um, and Dungus redeemed himself slightly in Mrs. Weasley's eyes by rescuing Ron from an ancient set of purple robes that had tried to strangle him when he removed them from their uh, the wardrobe. So this is like X-Factor cleaning. Shouldn't be this dangerous. No. I I don't think I've ever had a cleaning session that was this dangerous. Unless you talk about my time working in the mental hospital. But still, whatever. Anyway, moving on. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, all these things and more help keep Harry busy. And the time just flies by. Um, with all of the visits from everybody we just mentioned. And we end up seeing Snape come in and out as well, but Harry never directly deals with him. And we saw McGonagall come in through, come in too, but she's wearing regular muggle clothes. Like she's wearing a regular dress. And he's like, she looks older than normal in that dress. I don't like it. Um, but, you know, even though Harry is keeping himself busy, he still has nightmares and his bad dreams have been mostly about him being in corridors and coming up on locked doors, which is interesting, but worth noting. Mm-hmm. And of course, the upcoming hearing and where he might be expelled he doesn't know and he's thinking about well what if i do get expelled i can live here with Sirius. that would be cool 
But he doesn't really give himself time to think about it until the night before the hearing. Do you want to read it or should I? Um, is it this whole this por- last this part? Whole thing? Okay, cool. No, 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 just the the. Oh yeah. Yeah, the whole the whole yeah. section. It's like three paragraphs. Yes. Okay. He felt as though a brick had dropped into his stomach when Mrs. Weasley turned to him during dinner on Wednesday evening and said quietly, "I've ironed your best clothes for tomorrow morning, Harry." And I want to wash your hair tonight, too. I want you to wash your uh, hair tonight, too. A good first impression can work wonders. Ron, Hermione, Fred, George, and Ginny all stopped talking and looked over at him. Harry nodded and tried to keep eating his chops, but his mouth had become so dry he could not chew. How am I getting there? He asked Mrs. Weasley, trying to sound unconcerned. Arthur's taking you to work with him, said Mrs. Weasley gently. Mr. Weasley smiled encouragingly at Harry across the table. You can wait in my office until it's time for the hearing, he said. Harry looked over at Sirius, but before he could ask the question, Mrs. Weasley had answered it. Professor Dumbledore doesn't think it's a good idea for Sirius to go with you, and I must say I think he's quite right, said Sirius through clenched teeth. Mrs. Weasley pursed her lips. When did Dumbledore tell you that, Harry said, staring at Sirius. He came last night when you were in bed, said Mr. Weasley. Sirius stabbed moodily at a potato with his fork. Harry dropped his own eyes to his plate. The thought that Dumbledore had been in the house on the eve of his hearing and not asked to see him made him feel, if that were possible, even worse. That's sad. Yeah, I mean, he thought that... (sighs) With all of his years at Hogwarts, he's felt that Dumbledore has had some sort of affinity towards him. And to feel like, at this point, Harry... Dumbledore, Dumbledore doesn't... Yeah, Dumbledore doesn't seem to want to have anything to do with him. Like, yeah, let's talk about him. Yeah, let's have people follow him. But talk to him? Nah, we're good. I would be upset, too. Yeah. I'd be really upset. So, again, that's the end of the chapter, but we find out that this house is not technically fit for human habitation. True. If everything is trying to kill you or harm you in some sort of way, maybe they shouldn't be there. But Sirius did mention in this chapter that it made sense that this was what they were going to use as the headquarters because his dad had made it um, not unplottable. Maybe unplottable? Where muggles just can't find it ever? Unplottable means it can't be put on a map. Uh-huh. But he mentions it. I remember reading it in this chapter, and now I'm going to have to look for it. But he basically says, my dad put a whole bunch of protection charms on this and muggles can't find it. I'm looking for it, sorry. Mm -hmm. No, it's unplottable. So muggles could never come and call as if they'd have wanted to, and now Dumbledore's added his protection, you'd be hard put to find a safer house anywhere. 
Dumbledore's secret keeper for the order. You know, nobody can find headquarters unless he tells them personally where it is. That note Moody showed you last night that was from Dumbledore. Oh, that was from Dumbledore. If my parents could see the use it was being put to now, well, my mother's portrait should give you some idea. Yeah. So, like, I think that that's also a reason why Sirius did it. He was like, you know what? It's, Let me spike my parents of, one more time. It, it, it's a little bit of payback. Haha, <laughs> you're not here. I'm on the family tree. Guess what? There's a mud blood right there. We wouldn't say it, but... Yeah. We'll do the M word. There's a werewolf right there! Yeah. There's a family of blood traders literally making food right now in the kitchen that you used to walk in. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of love it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, Because I do see Sirius as being, if he could be to his, like, parents, being petty and a little spiteful. Well, I'm sure every once in a while he opens up the curtains around his mom's portrait and is like, you see that person right there? That's Andromeda's kid with a mud blood. Oh. Oh, snap. And you know, that purple hair, that purple hair, because she's a metamorph magus, magus, whatever. Guess what? She got that from her mud blood father. And she's going to marry a werewolf. Spoilers. I think it's an okay spoiler, though. It doesn't really take away from anything. Mm. It makes, like, one of the plot points in the later book a little iffy, but it doesn't really change much. It's fine. Yeah. We said we were going to do whatever. I think it's a cute spoiler, though. Yeah. What else would he say? That's basically it. But I still love it. Oh, oh, you see that you see that person over there? Mm. Dumbledore. Mm. You see that? Yeah. He's the one who champions all the half bloods and the Muggleborns. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah. I I, I it's think a good he deserves to have a moment where he's like, You thought I was going to to be nothing, and here I am having supplied the headquarters for the resistance. Yeah. Thanks to you. I like how you're dancing around and nobody can see it but me. Yep. Okay, He's well, dancing that's around. That. Yeah, I was. I was doing a little, little happy dance because Sirius deserves good things and good things only. Yeah. I mean, after being in Azkaban for no reason... For how many years? I think he deserves it. Yeah. 12 years! Yeah. Okay. He did his waiting. Mm-hmm. 12 years of it in Azkaban. Also, funny thing. Yes. You should rewatch the first movie and look at how old baby Harry looks at the end in the little um, portrait book that Hagrid gives him at the end. Mm-hmm. And then see the bundle... That Dumbledore leaves in the front door. Yeah. No, I know. It's okay. it's not it's not well, good. Well the thing is is like from the angle he looks so young. Mm-hmm. You can kind of tell that it's like the same as like supposed to be like a one year old. But why is he swaddled like that? 
Why is a one-year-old swallowed like that? To keep him still. Okay. One-year-old babies are annoyingly wiggly. I wonder how Hagrid, like, he's because he said, uh, I fell over, sleep over Bristol, or whatever. Like. In the motorbike. Yeah, but babies are not like that. Um, no, they do fall asleep in cars. True. So, if it's a motorbike that's flying... Yeah, but it's making hella noise, because it's, it's mentioned as being a very loud... But he's also swaddled, so that helps with noise reduction as well. I guess. And we know that Hagrid can still do magic, so maybe he did a, a, like a muffling charm or something? Not on the baby, but on the bike itself? I'm not sure if he knows muffly auto. No, but maybe, maybe, maybe Sirius did it because Sirius is the one who lent him the bike. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, no, no more theories. We're done. We're done for today. We're done for today. All right, everyone. Bye. Bye. I think I think Sirius would have done it. Maybe. Maybe. We'll Probably. see. Probably. Yeah.